Hi, David. You there? Yes. Hello. Hey, so it's wonderful to have you here on the Milk Road podcast, uh, the very first one that we've done, yeah? It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I'd like to uh, um, ask you to introduce yourself to start. I think uh, you're the best person to do that. So please go ahead. Well, thanks, Adam. I'll, uh, I'll try and be very brief, but uh, I think some of your audience will be from Tasmania, where I grew up, and uh, so hi to all the Tasmanians. Uh, I, uh, I left Tasmania uh, to, to head off into the world and worked as an Australian diplomat for a time, and then I came back to Tasmania and uh, worked as an advisor to uh, the Minister for Primary Industries at the time, so I got to know a little bit about the agricultural industry in Tassie and, and in Australia more broadly. Uh, and then later I returned to uh, international uh, work and uh, worked for the uh, Pacific Islands, uh, representing them in China and have done various other things internationally. So, uh, so from Tassie to the world is, uh, is the way I sort of <laughs> imagine my experience. And uh, these days, Adam, I'm living in the middle of Europe. Uh, I'm doing a PhD, uh, looking at these... Uh, these new uh, roads and trade routes that are traveling across across Eurasia and across the Indo-Pacific. And, uh, and I'm here in Budapest in Hungary. Mm. Right, uh, almost uh, on, the, on the western side of the Silk Road, if you will, yeah? Yes, absolutely. This was, a, this was an important part of the original uh, Silk Road, absolutely. Yeah. So... Um, the um, when you and I first started talking about uh, the idea that there was a milk road, uh, you were in Beijing, as you mentioned, with the Pacific uh, uh, Trade Invest, and uh, and I had uh, flown up there to to um, to talk to some people, and I was lucky enough to sit down with you as the very first person to uh, to bounce this idea around and uh, uh, over beer, as I recall, and uh, I think we were sitting there thinking is this a milk road what what do we think yeah yeah absolutely adam i mean that was uh, it was very interesting sitting there in in china and uh talking about these questions of of trade links between australia and china and australia and the world and uh and you know your idea of looking at the map uh i think was a pretty important one because uh, wherever we are, we've got to really look at, at where we're located and where our opportunities lie. Uh, and certainly uh, for, for Australia, uh, Australia is very interestingly positioned now in the 21st century. I mean, for our first couple of hundred years, uh, in, in terms of our, our trade and investment links with the world, uh, we perhaps thought of ourselves as linked to far distant places, um, mainly for cultural uh, reasons. But these days, you know, we are so well positioned uh, in the part of the world that has the fastest growth and the part of the world which actually will become the centre of the world economy in the future. Now, that brings all kinds of challenges and there are all kinds of political and geopolitical challenges which should not be underestimated but but if you're a if you're an exporter or if you're engaged in the in the real economy uh the opportunities for australia are just enormous australia is a, an asset rich country a huge 
asset-rich and energy-rich country uh, located right next to some of the fastest-growing economies and the, the largest countries, of course, by population, China, India, Indonesia, uh, and, of course, a vast range of other fast-growing uh, economies. And we not only uh, have the potential to build those uh, trade and investment links, but uh, we increasingly, because we've strengthened our our nation through immigration over, over the decades, we now have these cultural links to all of these countries in our neighbourhood as well. So having a picture of it, having a, an idea of it in your head uh, and calling it something like uh, a milk road, uh, I think is very clever because I think we have to be able to picture what it might look like uh, in the future. I mean, it's, it's, very, it's always hard to scenario plan, to, to, to envision what things might look like in the future. Someone, uh, you know, 40, 50 odd years ago, thinking about Australia and China would never have imagined uh, that you'd have $200 billion worth of trade uh, today, for example. Well, who knows in another 40 or 50 years how we will be positioned in our links with, uh, with Indonesia and with India and with other countries in the region. So uh, a map in front of you and a name for what it is, like imagining a milk road, not a silk road, but a milk road that, that links Australia and all of its uh, you know, pure and natural and high quality products and services to the major, what will be the major economies of the world is a pretty exciting idea. Let's give it a name. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that was the uh, what the conclusion, or the idea that uh, we had fun bouncing around at the time, and um, and thinking that the Silk Road probably held a lot of lessons uh, for people in terms of the difficult history that happened on the road and to people on each side of it. Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah right. that's right. I yeah. think that's right, Adam. And I think uh, you know the Silk Road is uh, is often described uh, in Asia uh, in glowing terms as this period of you know, prosperity through trade and, and peaceful relations between countries. But of course, we know that it was, it was a lot more complicated than that. There were always uh, security challenges and there were, there were often tensions and conflicts along the way. And so that also is worth us thinking about that the reality of uh, doing business is that you are existing in, a, in the real world and the real world does have political risks and security risks and, and, and other factors. And so it's got to be part of the conversation, but it has to be uh, you know, a, a reasoned part of the conversation because uh, for a country like Australia, gosh, you know, we have such assets and such strengths and, uh, and are so, uh, so secure compared with most smaller countries and poorer countries. We're one of the richest countries in the world and uh, have the capacity to look after ourselves. So a measured discussion of those risks uh, would help us if we, were, if we wanted to really look at our economic opportunities. Yeah, I agree. That's my understanding and, um, and how I find the Milk Road concept is useful as a tool because... Um, uh, Australia does, if you look in the long arc of history, does seem to have a lot of choice. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're trade weighted with one single country now, and we're empathetic that we want to continue to work with that relationship. And I'm sure that relationship is empathetic too about, um, about the situation that, that we're in 
and there are 4 billion people just to the north of us who all would like to have safe milk like you grew up on and I grew up on and everyone has here now. I think the challenge is how do we get it and, and maybe how does this name help us think about that from their perspective a little bit more? What do you think? I don't know, Adam, that, that we can count on others being empathetic. I think, I think we have to focus on our empathy, though, our empathy for ourselves and, and for our, our neighbours and our friends. And, uh, and I think we, did, we do have to, as a, as a nation, uh, we need to really figure out who we are and what our interests are uh, for, for a long time, for all of our modern history, uh, we've kind of defined ourselves through the eyes of our, our bigger partners uh, in the world. And so there's a natural inclination now in, in the Australian way of talking that we naturally think now it's a choice between, oh, you know, do we stick with America or do we go with China, which of course is a nonsense of a choice. It's, it's not the choice. The choice actually is do we look after our own interests or don't we? And, uh, and that means really, I think, thinking, thinking about who we are first. Um, and, we can actually, and can we actually do both? And it seems to me that, yes, an, an absolutely rich and well-endowed country such as ours with a very stable political system and, and, and great potential into the future has the ability to, to actually manage it all. You know, we, it requires some nuance and some diplomacy and some, some smarts, but we've got to be able to manage all these relationships and so particularly these important relationships in in asia uh, whether they be with china or whether they be with uh, with other countries i mean our relationship with indonesia has often been bumpy in the past and sometimes there's a lack of empathy there um, both from the australian perspective but also from the the other perspective and and so these are problems that occur in relationships when you have cultural differences. There are even problems that occur in relationships where you think that you're the same. I mean, some, some people uh, say that we're the, we have the same view of the world as, as the United States, for example. And uh, I, I love the United States personally, and I have great friends and I have relatives there. But every time I visit the United States, I'm reminded how differently they see the world. Uh, they are a big major power and, and they can be a bully at times, just as can China. Uh, all major powers look at the world through their eyes. And so we have to be very careful, I think, Adam, not to look at the world through their eyes, but to look through our eyes. What are our interests? And, uh, and I, think, uh, I think the idea of a milk road actually helps that because it, it, it defines our interests in our terms. We have these great strengths. And the milk is a wonderful example of that, that, that pure milk that, as you say, we grew up on uh, in Tassie that, that is not available uh, in, in other places. It's, we used to go searching when, when I lived in Beijing. You know, I'd go searching for the Australian or the New Zealand milk because it was the only product you knew you could trust. Uh, just as uh, when I visit the US, I, I very rarely can find pure 100% uh, milk. Uh, so, you know, yet we take it for granted. So what we take for granted, let's, let's bring to the world. Yeah, I mean, the um, milk as, a, as an iconic product, uh, you know, obviously um, that, uh, that becomes milk powder. And then also as a metaphor in terms of, uh, you know, the milk of human kindness. And I hear you in terms of the empathy side, uh, which, um, which may be 
maybe has drained out of the milk road recently too much, but um, you know, it's, it's still there, whether it's uh, big or small. Um, I think the, um, the challenge is to, to understand how we can work together with the right partners because Australia is, is constrained in terms of capital, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've always been uh, reliant on attracting investment, um, but this is not a bad thing. I mean, it's often understood as a bad thing because people are concerned, are oh, you selling off the farm or whatever? But the reality is you're not selling off the farm. The farm stays there. <laughs> the land stays there. But what you're doing is you're attracting capital into it to, to be able to intensify what you're doing to get more value out of what you're doing. And, you know, the farmers who've attracted international investment uh, know that and they've benefited from that. And, and Australia has always benefited from foreign investment, whether it comes from the UK or from Singapore or from wherever it comes from. Uh, and into the future, no doubt, we will, we will be uh, dependent on, uh, on foreign investment. But, but even bigger countries are very, investment, are very uh, reliant on foreign investment as well. It's not, it's not just a uh, an economy of our size. Um, but but it, I'm correcting myself here in saying that actually we're not that small either. You know, we are the 12th biggest economy in the world, but of course there's a big gap between us and the really big boys. Um, so yes, we've got to be able to attract investment and we've, and we've got to be able to uh, ensure that, you know, that when we do, that that investment is is uh, going into the right places and uh, and that, there's, that there are processes around that to, to secure our own interests. And so naturally there will be times when we may not want foreign investment in a particular sector or a particular destination. Um, but generally, as a general rule, uh, Australia has benefited enormously from trade and investment and, and from having rules and clear transparency around how it works and how it works in our interests and in the interests of our partners. So it's of mutual benefit um, but according to rules, according to clear rules. And that's why we have trade agreements and investment agreements with other countries. And if those agreements are broken, well, then there have to be sanctions and there have to be uh, uh, ways of, of seeking redress. But, uh, but while those rules are working, which they do most of the time, and Australia's uh, trade and investment uh, experience has been a good one. Uh, we're, mm. we're not in the position of, say, the United States, where they have... Uh, have you know had all kinds of disputes with with their major trading partners and as have other countries but in australia's case uh, we've had a pretty successful run and uh, and that's because we have pretty comp a complementary economy with our major trading partners we're selling to them things that they need and they're selling to us things that we need and uh, and we need to attract investment equally some of our big companies are investing overseas as well and are benefiting and uh, when you see australian companies across Asia, they've been benefiting as well. So it has to be uh, benefiting everyone. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. Yes. I, I, um, I'm, you remind me of, uh, of Marius Klopper's delivered a Lowy Institute speech uh, when he was uh, running uh, BHP at the time. And he brought up the point about how when your largest customer is not a partner on your at your security level, it can be difficult uh, when you're talking about raising capital, and that was when I think you know there was a lot going on in um, 
in the resource industry with geopolitics. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, do you know the speech that I'm referring to and the, yeah, the concern yeah, on his part, right? That's so, right. Yeah, it, it does feel like we, we may be in this new period of history. And that's where the Silk Road analogy, I think, makes sense because, you know, that's a 2,000-year-old trade route that, uh, you know, probably has every story in the world in terms of conflict that occurred on it, right? Well, that's right, Adam. And I think if we take the long-term view, I mean, who knows uh, what the government of Australia might look like in 20 years' time or what the government of China might look like in 20 years' time or the government of the United States in six months' time. I mean, these things are unpredictable. Governments come and go. Uh, political systems evolve. And uh, even ours, which is very, very stable, um, but it has evolved. It's changed over the yes, decades. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, the, the, old, I, I the older agree. I get, the more I realise yeah. that things actually do change. And, uh, yeah. and we're lucky, I think, in Australia in many respects. Uh, you know, things, most things, I think, have changed for the better. But, but the older I get, the more I think some things are not changing for the better as well. Uh, but, but yes, look, of course, there from time to time, there, is, there are security concerns. The issue is, are they short-term problems or are they long-term problems? And it's very hard at this point in, in time to know. Uh, there are some people, of course, uh, and some institutions uh, urging us to think that we're in the middle of starting some new Cold War and we're going to divide the world in two and all of this. I would just caution we need to be a little bit careful. Yes, that is a risk. It's a huge risk and it would be disastrous for Australia if that's the case, if we were to be separated from our major economic partner, uh, that would be would be of huge uh, impact on the Australian economy and on our security if, if our biggest trading partner became our enemy. Um, but, you know, it is possible and it's a terrible scenario to think through. Um, we ought to be looking at the other scenarios in the, in the middle uh, uh, because it's probably more likely that there's some other way forward and, uh, and that we can probably uh, hopefully manage the security issues that, that occur from time to time, and they will. I mean, there will be there will be differences, uh, and there will be differences with our other uh, trading partners as well. Uh, but the question is, like like other countries in the Asian region, like uh, all of the ASEAN members in Southeast Asia, they're well aware that you've got to be able to balance uh, your relations with the big powers because the big powers will always look for security interests first. The right. rest of us, when we're a middle-sized country, We've got to look for our own interests, and our own interests may well be negotiating between the big powers, not uh, not necessarily trying to urge on a conflict between them, because it would just be disastrous for us all. Yeah, I like what you said about um, the the way that the metaphor and the comparative metaphor to the Silk Road enables enables you to uh, to think of things in a longer time frame and a longer. Uh, time horizon without uh, insulting any any government and just say, look, things change, you know, hit over 2000 years. Right. You know, who can remember what government was in place at certain times on on either side of the Silk Road? Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's it. That's right. And look, I think it is it, it is where we are in a very interesting period in Australia, because for a couple of hundred years, we really did think of ourselves as as linked to places that were a long way away. And the question is, do we, over the next couple of hundred years, become closer 
to countries in our region. Uh, and, and that's a really hard one for us to think through because it's a, it's a big change. But, but it may well be people looking back in 200 years' time say, mm. well, you know, this is when Australia really figured out what it was, you know, that it's this liberal democracy in the Asian region, uh, you know, and, and it could be in 200 years' time that it's just a given that we are totally economically integrated with the giant economy of Indonesia and, uh, and other giant economies of our region and that we have incredibly friendly, uh, successful relations with them. Or it could be that we've led ourselves into some major conflict. I mean, these things are not certain right now, but, uh, but they're worth us thinking through and, uh, and they're worth us thinking about where our economic interests lie, for sure, because it's an important part of what will drive decision makers. Um, just like it, it drives a business, a business has to think about where it's, where's its bottom line. Well, equally, governments have to think also about what's going to deliver prosperity into the future. And thinking about a, a milk road, it's pretty clear that our prosperity would be through maintaining peace and stability and building friendships to the major markets of our region, if we can do that. And, and so we have to figure out how to do that. Agreed. So I want to ask one last question before we get going. I, I know we've talked a little bit about that uh, great debate of, uh, you know, is, is, a, is Australia in Asia? What are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, this was the debate for the last few decades, and it just seems to me, Adam, that uh, that, that debate is over. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not sitting in Australia as I talk to you now, but if I was, I would say to you, Asia is here. You know, already Australia's economy is already completely interdependent and integrated with the major economies of Asia. And, and interestingly, you know, over the last decades, over the course of my life, Australia's been running this, uh, you know, immigration program that's strengthened the country and, and made the, the economy so strong and has given us all these cultural links to the region as well. So we now have you know, uh, communities in Australia that have links to that to our major trading partners as well. And we have an increasing understanding of Asia. So are we part of Asia? Well, Asia is really part of us. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I think it's uh, Australia is part of Asia because Asia is part of Australia. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, we've, and we're still part of the whole world. I mean, we still have, yes. of course, great enduring strong relationships with with Europe and with mm. the United States and, and other parts of the world. But there's no doubt when we're talking about economics, when we're talking about what's going to put bread and butter on the table tomorrow, uh, our links, the Australian links with, with Asia are of mm. fundamental importance. Agreed. I mean, you know, hearing you talk about it that way really makes me um, see how Australia is truly a melting pot within Asia that way, yeah? Well, yes, and I, I'm really proud of Australia. I mean, I'm, I'm here yeah. living in the middle of Europe at the moment, yeah. and, and I can't help but look at how European countries are all very suspicious of each other and have had all these tensions <laughs> in the past. And, and, and you yeah. know, they've, they've, they've been good-hearted people who've tried to resolve those problems and, and uh, often with great success. But, but at the end of the day, they define themselves against their neighbours. You know, this, right. this is part of, especially in the part of Europe where I'm living in the centre of Europe, you know, Hungary and Poland and oh, Slovakia yeah. and Romania and all these countries that 
define themselves against their neighbours. Whereas mm. we in Australia, we used to do that for, for nearly a couple of hundred years. But I think mm. if we can stop defining ourselves against others and just define ourselves based on what we are. I mean, we've built this incredibly successful liberal democracy that's not based, that shouldn't be based, one group. Of course, mm. you know, initially in the early days of federation, it was very racially based, but no longer, no mm. longer. Mm. All right. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you so much uh, for having such a um, uh, valuable conversation and uh, for sharing your thoughts. And uh, and I'm going to I'm going to hit the um, finish recording button now and uh, say thanks very much. And uh, if you want to if you want to have the last word, you're welcome to have it. Well, uh, thanks, Adam. It's always good to talk to you. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about this idea uh, of, of thinking about Australia's links to the region and to the world as a milk road, because it just seems to me sitting here today on the other side of the world that Australia really is, Australia and New Zealand are really the land of milk and honey. You know, they, they really yeah. are. They, they are so well, so well positioned with such yeah. wonderful yeah. produce and not just, yeah. not just uh, produce, but even, you know, the education that, that we yeah. can export to the world, the other services. Australia and New Zealand have this particularly strong appeal for, yeah. for the markets of Asia. And so, yeah. you know, describing it as a milk road, it's brilliant. Congratulations. Well, let's have fun with it and uh, look forward to talk about it more along the way. And thank you for um, helping me understand it too. All the best, Adam. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye.